Thank you, Brother Johnny. Now, that verse talks about the vision being written. Uh, that's not what I'm going to be talking about this morning, though. It's more focusing on the second half of the verse. Read that she may run, or he that readeth or uh, may run, however it goes. Johnny got it mixed up earlier, too. Uh, but this morning we're going to be talking about uh, spiritual exercise and how it affects our spiritual life. And in talking about this, we're going to uh, make an analogy between physical exercise and the effects it has on our life and our body and how uh, uh, spiritual exercise and the effects it has on our, our life and on our mind. Um, I've talked in the past a number of times, I know, uh, about diseases and different things and the way they affect the human body. It's, it's a, something that's been a particular fascination for me and I have a hard time getting away from that sometimes. So if, you, if it's not what you like, then you're going to have to suffer with me this morning. <laughs> um, but exercise for, for a lot of people and for me too uh, brings to mind hard activities, things we don't necessarily like to do. Uh, self-inflicted torture even for some. Uh, but the effects that exercise has on the body can really remind us of how spiritual exercise affects our minds and our actions. There are a number of verses that speak to this effect, and this one that uh, we read, read in Habakkuk already is just one of them. And we know Paul speaks a number of times about running a race and staying the course. Uh, but in this verse in Habakkuk, we see that those who read are able to run. Uh, but we know, of course, this, this running is not a little, literal running, uh, but there was preparation made before uh, the running commenced, just as those who prepare themselves for a race uh, do so so that they can endure. If we are going to be able to run this, this uh, spiritual race that we put ourselves in, then we have to prepare ourselves beforehand or we will not uh, succeed. Uh, Skipping over the, uh, moving on to this analogy, skipping over the rhetorical question, is exercise good for us? We instead ask, how does exercise benefit us? And there are a number of ways that exercise can benefit us. If we're talking about uh, lifting weights specifically, we get stronger and can lift heavier things after exercising. If we are talking about running, we gain a greater ability to endure long-lasting activities and don't lose our breath so quickly. In both cases, there are many benefits besides the one mentioned that make us healthier people. For instance, when lifting weights, the first change is how our body uses our muscles, not just an increase in muscle size. Uh, an example would be uh, taking this ecclesia as the embodiment of a muscle. Uh, if we are untrained, we don't know how to work together. We take a long time to do anything and will not be able to complete many activities. Uh, for uh, when, we, when we have our gatherings, we move all the benches over to one side to make room in here. Uh, but if we just do it, if Brother Darrell, for instance, goes to move one by himself, he's not going to be able to move it uh, very successfully. It's going to take him a while. He'll eventually get it over there, but by himself, he's not strong enough to just move the bench in a fluid movement and put it against the wall. But uh, with training and with experience, we begin to work together and can get these things done quickly. Uh, quicker, thereby allowing us to accomplish more tasks. Now we have uh, Brother Daryl and Brother Andrew. They both uh, take one side of the bench, move it against the wall, and it's uh, done and out of the way quickly. Uh, and this, I think, correlates well with how we grow in the truth. Paul speaks to this effect in uh, Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. Hebrews 5, verse 12. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Uh, and also, uh, Peter writes in uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 2. 
And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of... I'm in Second Peter. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Uh, this milk of the word is the basic understanding of our doctrine, the foundation of what we believe. If you do not have that foundation, the building on top of the sand will wobble around and eventually fall, as we know through the example of the parable Christ gave, the, the house on the rock and the house on the sand. Uh, the foundation is laid down, and though there is no growth on top of it or no building on top of it, it makes for a solid, strong foundation to build on so that whatever is built on top of it will stand and not fall. Uh, and this being we teach our children the basic doctrines that we understand uh, uh, from Genesis, the creation, to the fall of man, to Christ and his sacrifice, and to the basic teachings of the law. We don't kill, we don't uh, murder, I just said that, and we don't steal, um, and these different things, how we found them and what the reasoning behind them is to deny the flesh. And then on top of that, we build the more uh, difficult things to understand, the meat of the word. Uh, where am I? But uh, getting back to the analogy. Uh, after lifting weights for a while, our muscles begin to grow. And this growth doesn't take place overnight, though, or, or even after a week. Growth typically takes uh, close to three or four weeks, sometimes longer. And the growth that does occur is very small over time. So uh, now Brother Andrew and Brother Daryl, after working for a long time, they start to get stronger, strong enough that they can each carry one bench by themselves. So Andrew takes a bench, puts it against the wall. Brother Daryl takes a bench, puts it against the wall. Two things done at the same time uh, makes it a lot quicker to get done. Um, here we begin to see the meat of the word as mentioned in Hebrews. It has become the spiritual exercise for these brethren. They have moved past the foundation and have begun to build. These two are now becoming stronger in the word and are more skilled so that they may understand more of scripture and more adequately resist the flesh by the word. Also, the more they grow, the greater their desire for this spiritual sustenance. So they feed on it daily to maintain their spiritual strength and they exercise their spiritual character by studying the things they don't understand so they can grow in spiritual strength. And this is, uh, this is a little bit different than what we've been talking about. Uh, now they have a need for this uh, spiritual food, a desire for it. And if that desire is not fulfilled, then their character grows weak and they lose the strength that they once had. Uh, the same principle is applied to our muscles or our body. Uh, muscles require energy to live. If it doesn't get that energy, then it shrinks. The more muscle you have, the greater demand your body has for food. This is, uh, this is what we call metabolism. More muscle equals a higher metabolism. It is by this principle that uh, many diets have been invented. I heard mom talking about, about it this morning. We hear about this diet, the Atkins, the high protein, all these different diets, and there are, a lot of them are based around metabolism. You only take in as much as your body requires. If you take in more, it's stored as fat. If you take in less, your body burns fat to feed the need that your muscle has until there's no fat left to burn. And the more you use, the more muscle, uh, and the more you use the muscle that you have, the more nutrients it requires. Um, when we think about exercise, uh, especially lifting weights, a lot of the thing, uh, the first thing that comes to our mind is. Uh, getting sore. Nobody likes that. It feels bad. It hurts. Uh, but that initial soreness, I think, compares very well to uh, how the truth can affect our lives, especially if we haven't been paying attention, been reading the Word for a while. Uh, let's turn over to Acts chapter 2 for a second. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 says, Now they... Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So these men who had, who had been uh, exposed to, uh, to Christ and to the truth before but had rejected it, now heard it in a new light or understood it, and they realized what they had done wrong. They were pricked in their hearts. This, this, uh, the, the, the truth being taught to them finally affected them, and they were... Uh, hurting inside them, realizing what they had done, rejecting Christ and uh, rejecting God, and they realized what they had to do. 
Um, and this is also, I think, this is something that's happened to me a number of times. If, I, if I'm not reading or if I'm doing something I know I shouldn't be doing, I come back and uh, do a Bible reading. It seems that the exact Bible reading I, I read has something to say about the exact thing I was just doing that I know, knew I shouldn't have been doing. Pricks my conscience, know I sh knew I shouldn't have been doing that, and uh, hopefully directs me in the way that I should be going. Um, but after a while, after that uh, initial soreness that we have, that initial pricking of the heart that we have, we continue studying, we continue exercising, and uh, that soreness eventually goes away. We don't have that, uh, that physical pain or that pricking in our hearts, that feeling that we've been doing something wrong. We have stopped doing that. We are now in the path of righteousness and uh, following and doing the things that we should so that we don't have that guilty conscience. Also, uh, uh, one of the great things about exercise is that it gives you energy. Um, the more I was, uh, earlier this year, I was exercising four days a week. And the amount of energy that I had after a week of exercise, even after a, a day of exercise, was a lot more than I had before when I hadn't been doing anything at all. Um, over the last six months, probably, I've, probably, I've dropped to... Uh, exercising one day a week and the amount of energy I had between exercising four days a week and one day a week is quite a bit. I'm more tired, I get uh, exhausted a lot faster, I find myself uh, wanting to take a nap in the afternoon when I know I need to be studying, regretting that I haven't been doing that exercise. Now in the past month or so I haven't been exercising at all and uh, I'm exhausted uh, the whole week because I'm staying up late studying and then getting up early to go to class and studying in the afternoon. No time for sleep except for night and I'm not doing it then very much because I'm up studying. And that exercise would give me the energy to keep me awake, uh, keep me from getting tired during class, uh, whenever, wherever I may be, um, but I'm not doing it. And that's the exact same thing that the scripture does for us. If we're studied, focused in the scripture, it's always in our minds. It gives us a drive, it gives, it gives us an enthusiasm, or it should and should give us a zeal to study out the word. If we are not getting that, then, then uh, we need to be focusing a little bit harder. Uh, let's turn over to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 7, verse 11. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clear, clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Uh, I think that this is talking about the matter that he wrote to them in 1 Corinthians. Um, this selfsame thing they sorrowed after. And in verse 10 speaks of their uh, repentance and uh, <clears throat> verse 9 and verse 10 uh, how that you were made sorry and in verse 10 worketh uh, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation and in verse 11 we see that their uh, zeal is returned again after having turned initially from the path uh, coming back to it they realized where they went off and they've been studying out the things that they should have been studying all along, and their zeal has returned. Uh, Titus chapter 2. Verse 14. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiarly people, zealous of good works. So... We should be following after Christ, mimicking his character and the things that he did and his, his attitude toward the truth, being zealous, enthusiastic, and desiring that we, uh, that we being myself and all of you, are driven towards the same goal. If, if, uh, if I am losing my zeal, I, I hope that somebody else is able to encourage me and pick me up and uh, 
help me out so that my zeal can return. That's the same duty that I have towards my brethren in Revelation 3.19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And we're, following the, we're following the thought now. So uh, that's our analogy for this section. Spiritual exercise strengthens our spiritual character, while physical exercise strengthens our physical character. The effects are the same. Now we're going to look at the comparison between running a race and what the Bible says about running. Let's turn to Psalm 19. Verse 5, thank you. Which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. And we're focusing mainly on the second half of this verse, a uh, strong man running a race. When we think of somebody running a race, it's probably not uh, a weak person. It's somebody who is strong. We don't think of a scrawny little boy running around uh, a racetrack. We think of somebody who has prepared themselves and uh, is running well. Uh, over to Psalm 119. This is verse 25. Verse 25 to 32. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove from the, me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Yahweh, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. So here in the first verse, in verse 25, we see that David's uh, depicting a man who's next to, next to death, but is revived by the word. And in verse 26 to 31, we see a preparation taking place. He's declaring his ways or setting his eyes on a goal and being taught how to continue in this way. He's being made to understand the way or the road or path that he has committed himself to. He's being strengthened by the word, the spiritual exercise we talked about before. He is removing the old path he walked on and setting a new, better path before him. He has chosen truth and has stuck to the testimonies and asked that he is not put to shame or delayed is also a translation uh, for that uh, for that little phrase, uh, put me not to shame. And uh, it's probably a better translation for the context we're speaking in. And uh, finally, after all this preparation, after uh, laying this new way before him, removing uh, the way of lying, and notice the number of times that it says uh, my ways or, or uh, the way in these verses. Um, after all this preparation, he runs in the way that he has uh, been prepared. And the last part also, um, this, will, this is going to be of more importance in a little bit here, when thou shalt enlarge my heart, um, also necessary for running a race. And Habakkuk 2.2, we already read this, uh, but we see, I mean, let's go over there and, and read it just one, once more to refresh my memory. And Yahweh answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon the tables that he may run that readeth it. The running is not coming before the reading. We, and we'll talk about this later, but he, the man who reads then runs. And uh, over to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Uh, the point of running in most races is to win. 
So if you're running a race, you typically don't carry anything with you. We are exhorted here to lay aside the things which weigh us down, namely sin, and run with patience or cheerful endurance the race that is set before us. This race is laid before us at baptism, and we prepare ourselves before baptism for this race so that we don't come, to, come up short in the end. We don't uh, bring somebody into the truth or raise a child up without any knowledge of what we believe, baptize them, and then teach them the truth. We prepare them from a young age, as it says in, in Proverbs, raises the child in the way he should go. We've, we've raised them in the way that they should be going so that when they are old, they won't depart from it. They will be baptized and know that the, way that, the way they should be going. You don't uh, sign up for a race and have absolutely no idea where you're going. You sign up for a race knowing the course, knowing how you're supposed to go, and you run the race with diligence, hoping that you can win. Running is an endurance activity. It compares very nicely to our life in Christ because we are always battling the flesh without rest. If we cannot endure, then we will fail and our reward will be lost. The best way to prepare for a race is to start running. At first, we start running short distances to build up our tolerance, and then we take on longer distances. There are numerous benefits to running, building muscle, strengthening bones, strengthening the heart, and clean, uh, cleaning out the blood vessels are just a few benefits. Uh, there are different ways to train when running. If you're a sprinter, then you will work on sprinting. You will only run short distances and your muscles will wear, wear out quickly. However, for a short while, you will be very fast and powerful. I'm not speaking very well. This reminds me of a parable taught by Christ, the man who was planting seed in Matthew chapter 13. Let's look over there. Matthew 13, uh, verse 5. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And over to verse 20 and 21, Christ explains it to his apostles. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution, persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. The person received the word, was very excited about it, and took off, took off as fast as he could with it. But very soon he found it wasn't what he expected, and the word was quenched from him, and he uh, was lost once again to the world. The man's grounding in the truth was very superficial, and therefore when questions were brought to him, he did not know how to answer them. And... Uh, this is what shook his base and his foundation, the small foundation he had, and he wavered and failed. The same thing happens with a short-distance runner. They can burst out of the, out of the gates very quickly, but uh, 100 meters, maybe shorter down the road, they're too tired to continue on, and their muscles burn within them, and it causes them to stop. The man's... Uh, I already read that. This, uh, this is why a strong foundation is so important. So our building doesn't get blown down as soon as a light breeze passes over it. Those who train to sprint are very much the same. Uh, as I as I already said, they explode out of the starting point, very impressive. Uh, but as the time passes, their energy expires and they can't continue. People who train for a longer distance receive much greater benefits than those who train for sprinting. They build stronger bones through running. And our bones, especially the ones in our legs, are meant to hold weight. If they don't, then they become weak and brittle. And when we run, we put forces through our legs that are much greater than our actual body weights. If you've ever stood on a scale, you look down at it and it reads one, uh, one setting. But if you bounce on the scale, then it, the, it'll go up at first and then come back down. You're increasing the force that's put through your legs. And that's exactly what you're doing when you're running. You're only on one foot at a time. Your foot hits the ground and all the force comes through your body plus gravity and all the, everything else. And it's a lot of weight through that leg, more than it's tip, uh, used to handling. But because of that, if your leg doesn't just outright break, then uh, uh, your body recognizes that force, takes it into account, and starts rebuilding your bones so that they become stronger. And uh, uh, also our heart strengthened by running. Uh, at any given time, 
Our hearts have to maintain a specific amount of blood put into, uh, output into our bodies or else uh, we slowly pass out and die. Now, this amount of blood is called uh, cardiac output, cardiac just meaning heart. I'm going to use the board here for a minute. Cardiac output. This output is cal calculated by multiplying two factors. How much blood the heart puts in or puts out in one pump or stroke volume, which we see on the end there, and how many times the heart beats each minute or heart rate, which is our other factor up there. The average heart must put out about five liters of blood into the body every minute when we are resting. A typical heart puts out about uh, 70 milliliters of blood in one pump. And, uh, I don't want to confuse anybody with all these numbers here, but uh, the, the amount that it's putting out is in stroke volume. The volume is 70 milliliters. And the heart beats about 70 times per minute, and that's the heart rate. You multiply those together, it comes out to about 50, 40, uh, 490, but it's, it's uh, right around the average. Uh, this comes out uh, to approximately five, uh, five liters per minute. However, if one of these numbers was, uh, what if these, one of these numbers was to change? The body regulates all of this, so, so if one decreases, the other will increase. So if we have, uh, if we're talking about somebody, uh, you all are just sitting here, and if you're not nervous and you, aren't have, you don't have a high heart rate, hopefully, but if heart rate goes up, then the volume that the heart puts out goes down. The faster something uh, the heart beats, the less amount of time the heart has to expand and allow more blood in, and force it out. So each time it opens up, it's a little bit smaller because your heart's racing. Um, if stroke, if this goes up, you have a larger amount of blood in the heart, and it contracts and pushes more out. Uh, when that goes up, heart rate goes down because you don't need as much blood going through the body. And those are the two possible outcomes of this equation. If one goes up, the other goes down. And our answer there stays the same. Uh, however, each of these, each of these uh, effects, one of them going up, one of them going down, uh, is attained by completely opposite habits. If we do run, our heart has to learn to pump blood faster because we still need the correct amount of blood flowing through the body to keep our to keep our muscles working, and it gets a uh, it gets a lot more confusing if we talk about exercise and and how much blood we need going through then. But needless to say, more blood has to go through the body when we're exercising, and uh, therefore both of those uh, are the the heart rate will increase and stroke volume will decrease a little bit, but typically stays close to the same. Um, like we said though, uh, when we're running, uh, blood has to pump faster so that it can maintain the adequate amount of blood going through our bodies to keep our muscles working. In order to make the job easier on itself, the heart begins to change over time if the person runs enough. The heart expands more and contracts harder, allowing more blood to be expelled from the heart in one pump. And I think this relates very well to what David said in Psalm 119, that last verse we read. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. The larger the amount of blood pushed out, the easier it is for us to run. So when we are running or at rest, our heart doesn't have to beat as fast. So say the normal person has uh, that 70 milliliters we talked about before. But if you run, your heart gets bigger. It opens up more and it pushes out more blood. So we uh, increase that number to 100 milliliters. And this still only has to stay at five. So this goes down. Our heart rate drops. You can get uh, people who have into the fifties uh, uh, their heart rate, and that's uh, it seems very low, but it's uh, if if they're not dying, then it's a healthy heart, and it's uh, it's good to have a lower heart rate.
But um, on the other hand, if we do not maintain proper heart health, the volume of blood the heart expels with each pump will, be, uh, will begin to decrease, which increases our heart rate and puts extra stress on the heart. It has to beat a whole lot more often. And uh, we call this heart disease. And that one's a killer. Another great effect of running is how, we, is how it uh, cleans out our blood vessels. Uh, we've all seen these commercials for uh, this heart medicine, that heart medicine, uh, cholesterol medicine. Uh, they, show, they always show that picture with all the stuff building up inside the arteries and you know, only a few blood vessels are getting through, or uh, blood cells are getting through, and, and uh, it doesn't look very, doesn't look very good. Um, but they all claim they're going to clean out the plaque in your arteries. Uh, it would be better if it weren't there to begin with, but there's a much cheaper way to remove this plaque by running. Uh, plaque's just a term for cholesterol uh, when it sticks inside your arteries. There is some kind of cholesterol in nearly all foods these days, and there are two basic types of cholesterol, good and bad. Bad cholesterol hides in your arteries and clogs them up and causes heart attacks and strokes. Uh, good cholesterol helps strengthen your body and it removes bad cholesterol. Uh, so one type of cholesterol fights the other. But how do we get this good cholesterol, like we talked about before, by running? You can't just uh, eat food with good cholesterol in it. You have to work for it, and that's where this running comes in. When we run, our body produces good cholesterol, and the longer we run, the more we produce. Um, I was going to tell you how we do that, but I was looking it up, and we don't know how it happens. We just know that the longer we run, the more we get, the more healthy we are. Uh, the more good cholesterol we have, the less bad cholesterol we have, the better. How do we compare this to our spiritual lives, though? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. When we constantly hang around and put bad things into our mind, the good spiritual things we should be dwelling on are expelled and replaced with evil thoughts. So if we're talking about this cholesterol that's in our body, the more we do nothing, the more that bad cholesterol builds up, clogs up our arteries, the higher chance we have of dying suddenly. The, uh, relating this to the scripture, the more good things, the word that we put into our, into our bodies, the more that bad stuff is expelled. And uh, the bad thoughts, the bad morals, uh, the bad character is put out of ourselves so that we can follow after the right things. Uh, Romans 14, verse 9. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived. Hmm. Looks like I wrote down the wrong verse. I think it's verse 19 I'm looking for. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. Yes. When we follow after peaceful things and things that help us to edify each other, we fill our minds with spiritual things which will drive, us, drive out the evil thoughts. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Here we are commanded to comfort and edify one another so we can be built up and made firm in our faith. The effect of the truth on our mind cleanses us from the evil thoughts that our flesh tempts us with. On the other hand, if we give in to fleshly thinking or hang out or hang around people with the fleshly people of the flesh continually, then the good that the spiritual mindset we had before, then uh, the good done to us by the spiritual mindset we had before, is completely undone. And uh, there's a verse in in one of Peter's epistles, I want to say. That says uh, if we pray for a we pray for a brother and he returns back from the truth and you've hidden a multitude of sins or something like that and uh, so if we also if we change from that 
bad character that we had before to a good character, and those sins are forgiven and they won't be remembered. It is therefore important for us to be continually around our brethren and in communication with them so they can uplift and edify us and keep our minds on the things of the truth. Just as with running, the only way we receive any benefits from the truth is by being steadfast and continuing in it. If we quit, we lose everything we gained. And uh, I'm simplifying it just a little bit. Uh, we all know that it, uh, expelling this poor character and working towards these uh, righteous deeds and uh, it becoming easier for us relatively to deny the flesh um, is, takes a lot of work. It's not, it doesn't just come from reading 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 and all of a sudden we're good people and we're denying the flesh easier. Galatians 5 verse 7. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? All of the book of Galatians is a reproof to those who were running well, but by influence from people around them, they forgot their fundamental beliefs and stopped running. If we remain steadfast and remember all the foundational teachings uh, we were brought up in, we will not falter, even when, those are, uh, even when others are telling us that we do not properly understand the truth. And we've been going over in Bible class uh, for the past few weeks, and this last week we started Hebrews, but uh, for a few weeks before that, we've been discussing some of the false things that, that have been brought in. And the, the trend among each of them is that this is uh, traditional Christadelphian beliefs. It's what we've always believed. So if you don't believe this, then you don't understand the truth correctly. And those who aren't claiming that are just saying that we've never understood the truth correctly and that uh, Jesus existed before he was born. And, uh, stuff like that but uh, if we're affected by this if somebody tells us that we don't believe the truth correctly and for some reason we believe them then uh, we get confused and we're trying to figure out uh, where the true path is once again and uh, we're, uh, we will briefly cover what happens to those who do not prepare themselves before they run. Uh, as we've already talked about, if you're not prepared for a race, you will not perform well and most likely will not finish. Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 6. To understand a proverb, I think I wrote down the wrong reference again. Let's see if I can find it real quick. It's verse 16. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. These are the people who do not prepare themselves in the way of the Lord. They only care about what is best for them and will do whatever they need to do to get ahead. Isaiah 59, verse 7 also. Isaiah 59, verse 7. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. Once again, we have people who, are not, who have not acquainted themselves with the Bible and Scripture and its truth and only seek fleshly pleasures. And over to 1 Peter 4, verse 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. These people are being spoken evil of because they refuse to lend in, uh, blend in and do all the things that the surrounding Gentiles do. They refuse to stop running and be worshipers of the flesh and those who run after their sinful desires ridicule them. Just like in the parable of the sower, the seed that fell on the rocks and the seed that fell on the thorns, both were choked by desires of the world and lack of understanding. We must not find ourselves in that situation. When we are not prepared in the correct way, when we have not prepared ourselves with the word of God, 
we will find ourselves in, these, in the situations these verses speak of. When you do not have a godly mindset or any knowledge of his plan, you can only run after what you do know, and that is fleshly desires. It is very important that we remain in the path of the truth. There are so many better rewards for running this race than there are for turning to the world. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. First Corinthians 9, 24. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We're all running in the same race, brethren. We do not run against each other. We run with each other. Our only opponent is our flesh. And if it beats us to the finish line, it's because we allowed it to. We must strive, as Paul tells us he strived in Romans 7, 14 to 25. And I'm not going to look that up, but we all know about the verses. So uh, he says, the good that I, I would, that do I not. And, and uh, how they go. There is no time to relax and take a break from the commands of God. We have to follow them all the time. In verse 25 of this re uh, reading that we just did, it says, Strive for the mastery. And uh, I think this is better interpreted, contended, Contendeth with an adversary. Uh, and we see that they're, what they fight for, what they strive for, is, uh, in, is corruptible. It doesn't do them any good. One day it will be gone. It's not everlasting. Uh, what they fight for is not permanent. Isaiah 40, verse 31. This describes our reward. But they that wait upon Yahweh shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This is our reward, our strength renewed, that we may use it to serve Yahweh. We will run without hindrance and never become weary of our path. These are the reasons that we must prepare ourselves now so that we can obtain the reward in the future. 2 Corinthians 2.15, or sorry, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If we prepare ourselves haphazardly, we will not be ready for the things the world throws at us, and we will be ashamed to admit our beliefs. So instead, let us be well prepared and well grounded, and be ready to spread the joy that we have through Christ as, on a, as a candle on a lampstand spread its light. And we remember the parable that Christ taught about the, the candle giving light to the whole house. We don't cover it up. We let it shine so that everybody can see where they're going. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the... Uh, there are a few other places also that Paul writes about uh, putting on the armor of God. He only mentions a, a couple of those specifically, but I think that's a very important point that he's emphasizing. We must wear the armor. The only way to gain this armor is through study and preparation. If we do not prepare ourselves for, for battle, then we will lose the fight. If 
we are not ready for a race, we will wear out soon after we start. We must be well studied in the word so we can wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's one of the most important ones of all. If we are not able to wield, uh, use the word of God, then we will not be able to combat the flesh within ourselves, much less teach somebody else or reprove somebody else when we see that uh, when they are either asking or doing something that they uh, need to change. Uh, one other thought before we summarize. Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19 and 20. We have to take care of what God has given to us. He, is, he has blessed us with the knowledge of the truth, with these, uh, with principles, uh, with a vision that drives us to seek out his kingdom, to earn, to, to gain that reward. I almost said earn, to gain that reward. If we don't take care of that, then we absolutely will not get the reward. We have to, uh, we have to make sure that we teach it to those, who, to our children who are raising up. We have to make sure that any who are, who are seeking out the truth and questioning us about what we believe, we are able to uh, give them, uh, teach them and tell them about what we believe. And so that the truth may prosper and may remain. Uh, if we fail to do that, then we're not, uh, what, what benefit are we? If we keep it to ourselves and hide it within ourselves, what benefit are we to anybody? I, if, I, if I stand up here and, and my exhortation is standing here for 30 minutes in silence, or I tell you about something that I did this week or uh, something funny I heard, I'm not, I'm not teaching you the truth. I'm not benefiting myself because I haven't studied anything. I'm not benefiting you because you're not hearing anything. If, uh, if I'm doing something that I should not be doing, or if I see uh, Jacob doing something he shouldn't be doing, and I don't go to him and say, you know what the scripture says about that. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do that. You need to change. Or if somebody comes to me, and, or doesn't come to me when they see me doing something wrong, and say, you're, uh, you know what the scriptures say. You need, to, you need to change your actions then the truth is not benefiting me through them. They're not running their race properly, and they're not shining their light like they should. And uh, back to the parable of the light under the bushel, if it's hidden, then it doesn't do yourself any good, and it doesn't do anybody else any good. And it's our command to go out and uh, emulate the works of Christ. So we must take care of what God has given to us. And we've been talking about uh, exercise, and I'm going to read these verses real quick. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are, ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So as well as the truth being given to us, the way that we manifest this truth is through ourselves, through the, uh, this body. I use this body to uh, speak to people, to do actions that I hope would glorify God. If I am not taking care of my body, which God has given to me, then I cannot properly help other people. I believe that it is our duty to take care of what God has given to us. That is, namely, the truth. Uh, if you have a family, a family and your body, namely, because that is what you have immediate uh, ability to correct and to take care of. So, in summarizing our thoughts today, we have compared physical preparation from work and running to our spiritual life. We need to strengthen ourselves and train our minds so we can withstand all the challenges we face when we begin our life in Christ. If we do not have a firm foundation, we will easily be crushed when hard times come. The wonderful effects of following scripture can easily be compared to the effects of exercise, as we have talked about. Exercise can assist with uh, weight loss, 
prevent disease, slow the aging process, strengthen muscles and bones, clean the arteries like we talked about, increase work endurance. And uh, I've, uh, because of the program that I'm in, they are particularly studying diabetes a, a lot. Uh, for people who are type 2 diabetics, exercise decreases the dependence on insulin, which is uh, a blessing for anybody who has diabetes, I can guarantee you. Preparing ourselves with the Word of God helps us resist the flesh, keeps us in good favor with God, gains us blessings from God, increases our knowledge and understanding of the Scripture, helps us remove sin from our life, and better allows us to assist our brethren in need. But when you neglect Bible study, just as when you neglect exercise, you find that all the things you were able to avoid when you were well-grounded in the Word creep back into your life. The flesh is harder to resist, sin becomes more frequent, you don't always know how to help your brethren, or you don't want to. You receive chastisement more than you receive blessings, etc. God says that he, will ch he chastens those who he loves, and that is exactly what we get when we deny his word and follow our own desires. When we, when we stop following this, uh, it's just like the children of Israel. God said, if you follow my commandments, I will bless you. If you do not, you will, uh, you will be cursed. And just like if, we, if you compare that to the exercise we talked about, if you work out, you will have more energy, etc. If you do not, you will wear out a lot sooner, and you won't be able to uh, function fully in your day of work. And uh, our, last, our last verse... 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. A word of encouragement. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast in studying and preparing and strengthening that we do not regress in our race. And we'll have our memorial hymn now. Hymn 